So you've noticed that you no longer feel anything for your husband. And you're scared it's always going to be this way. I'm sorry. Because that's not the way it was supposed to be. At the beginning of creation in Genesis chapter 2, God describes the creation of Adam and Eve, the first marriage. God made Adam first from the, from the dust of the ground and he formed him up, he breathed into him, he became, he became a living being and then God gave him a task. He named all the animals and Adam noticed that there was no one there for him, no companion that was just like him. And then he took a nap and during the nap, God, God opened up his side and took a piece of his rib and he made a woman from the rib. And then when Adam woke up, in front of him was this beautiful woman. And in Genesis chapter 2, Adam erupts into the world's first love sonnet, looking at this beautiful woman and basically saying, I can't even be myself without you. Which made her feel great. It would have swept her off her feet. And maybe you've had that similar experience of being swept off your feet by somebody. Maybe that's why you married him. Because at one point he did the same for you. But in the, in the very next chapter, in Genesis chapter 3, God warned Eve it was going to be a lot harder to find joy in her relationship with her husband. When among the consequences that he gave to Eve very specifically after Adam and Eve both sinned, one of the consequences was, Eve, your desire is now going to be for your husband. Which doesn't sound bad. That's kind of what you're looking for. <laughs> you're hoping that you will desire your husband again. But that, God didn't mean it that way. What he basically meant, without going into too much detail, was that this relationship that has the potential to fill you with so much joy is very easily going to leave you feel like there's no joy there anymore. And you're going to have to watch out for that because it's going to be a reality. And so there's some bad news about where to go from here and some good news. I'll get to the bad news first. The bad news is there's only so much you can do. There's a passage in Romans chapter 12 that it doesn't exactly talk about marriage, but it talks about two individuals who are having a hard time being full of joy when they're with one another. And it says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And that first phrase is really, really key. As far as it depends on you. Basically, there's only so much you can do. You can't control the other person. You can't fix them. You can't change them. There's only so much you can do, and that's, that's challenging that you don't have complete control over where this is going to go. But the good news is, and this is going to sound really ironic, so stick with me, that if you no longer desire anything for your husband, you're actually not all that far away from doing the very best thing you can to fix the whole thing. Well, I'll use a quote from, from somebody who, uh, who was in the church a couple hundred years ago. Uh, Martin Luther, the um, the great uh, great church leader, leader of the the Christian Reformation back in the 1500s, and and he had a lot of quotes on marriage. And one of his quotes was was this. He says, you know, the the first love between between a man and a woman, the first love is drunken. He says, when the intoxication wears off, then comes the real marriage. Love. You know what he means by that. It, at first, when you meet someone, they often sweep you off your feet and, and you're emotionally on such the, this, this incredible high because you feel so loved, you feel so appreciated. You're on cloud nine. But then, 
once the intoxication wears off, when you're not flying so high anymore on those emotions, then comes the real marriage, which is love. And why is, and what does he mean by that? What he means is that, well, he's talking about love in the way the Bible talks about love. And when the Bible talks about love between husbands and wives and between individuals, it's usually not talking about an emotion at all, but rather a decision. Something that you decide to do whether or not you feel like it. That's, that's what love is in 1 Corinthians 13, one of the most famous love sections in the entire Bible. Starting at verse 4 in that chapter, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And the key words in there are is and always. That love is patient. Love is kind. Not love feels patient or love feels kind, but it just always is, whether or not you feel like it. Love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, always keeps going. Not just when it feels like it, but all the time. It's a decision that you make to be loving even when you don't feel the desire. That's very loving. And is that hard? Ask Jesus. Ask Jesus how hard it is to be patient and to be kind when no one is being kind with you, when nobody is doing anything at all except giving you reason to walk away from them, when there wasn't a single person who was desiring to be closer to him, but instead most of them were just desiring to kill him. And yet he was patient as he patiently hung on a cross and he was kind and forgiving them. And he remained hopeful that one day they would see his great love for them. And he persevered and he kept going until he had given the world all the love that he knew how to give, even though it didn't feel good at all to give it. And what precious gift did he give us in doing so? The gift of a love that will always be there for us, whether or not we deserve it. On our good days, we get to look at Jesus and see, Jesus loves me. But even on our worst days, when we don't give him much reason to desire a relationship with us, we still get to look at the cross and see, he loves me. And that's a powerful gift. And it's a powerful gift that comes with a powerful promise. And that section of 1 Corinthians 13, where it defines what love is, always, patient, kind, etc., 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 it ends with a promise from God when it says, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then the next three words after that, I didn't read, but do you know what they are? Love never fails. And that's a promise from God. A God who knows how hard it is to put love into practice. That when you do, when you put the same type of love into practice, God will not fail your marriage. God will not fail to be there for you. 
Hey, it's Amber L.B. Swenson. You might remember when my podcast, Little Things, was right here on Grace Talks. Or maybe you've never heard of me. Either way, I want to invite you to listen to Little Things, which is now its own podcast. We take a look at little things and little ways that we can change our thinking to know and love God more. So please check out Little Things wherever you listen to your podcasts.